and uh, welcome to Tribe. Uh, we're excited to have everybody here today, those, everybody online, and um, you're all very welcome. Um, I'll go straight into what we're talking about today. For some weeks now, um, we've been talking about, uh, the, we've been discussing the book of Hebrews, and um, today we'll be going into Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, for the past six weeks, it's been an interesting journey. We've been taught in details and going into like deep dive into all, all the things that God would have us know. And I, I believe that God has that has helped us for six weeks today will not be an exception. It's even going to help us even the more in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, because today's text is pretty long, uh, I'll just go straight up. And um, we, we, I mean... I just dived in, dive in Hebrews chapter seven. I will begin to read um, the latter part of uh, chapter six. Actually, introduces Melchizedek. Uh, so we pick it up from there. Verse verse one, Hebrews chapter seven. I'll be reading the NIV version today. Uh, verse one says, "This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High." He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means the king of righteousness. Then also, king of Salem means king of peace. Without father, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch, Abraham, gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is from their fellow Israelites. Even though they also are descended from Abraham, this man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tenth, paid the tenth through Abraham. Because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established, the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. Remember, Aaron's lineage is the Aaron of the priests of the priesthood. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, in regard to that to that tribe moses said nothing about priests and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like melchizedek appears one who has become a priest not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life for it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of melchizedek the former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless for the Lord made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath. When God said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing, continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely 
those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. May the Lord bless the reading and the hearing of his word in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So from, 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 a, uh, from an introductory point of view today, um, this scripture essentially just gives us an introduction to, to who Melchizedek is. Melchizedek, the high priest. Melchizedek, and there was a lot of comparison, trying to compare him to Abraham, trying to compare him to Jesus. And that would essentially be the, the, uh, the crux of how we're going mean, to roll today. All right, um, verse 1 and 2, I'll, I'll dive in straight. Verse 1 and 2 says, This Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. Amen. He said Abraham was coming from the defeat of the kings. Let me backtrack a little so you understand what, what, what just happened here. Abraham, th there was a situation where there were five kings, including the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah, where Lot, you remember Lot was living in Sodom at that time. There were these five kings that for like 12 years, they were subject to a king called King Kaledoma, I think I got the name right, King Kaledoma. This story you can find in Genesis chapter 14. So these five kingdoms were under oppression of this king. So they decided to rebel and say, okay, they're not going to take this anymore. So the king that they rebelled against gathered another three kings along with his army, and they decided to launch an attack on these five kings that had rebelled. And as it was, the four kings beat Sili. I mean, totally dealt and took captive the entire five kings, including Lot. So when Abraham heard the story, Abraham gathered the people in his household and the people that his servants, obviously, and all the people working with him. And the Bible numbered them as 318. And they went after these four kings, these four army, these four soldiers went after them and Abraham defeated them. Isn't that amazing? You know, first thing we just want to pick immediately from that is that when you have God on your side, the things that flesh struggles with, the things that you would, that you would assume should be normal, because look at it, there were five kings, five kingdoms. They rebelled against four kingdoms. From a number perspective, you would expect that five should be able to defeat four. But guess what? They failed. Here was Abraham. It was not even up to a country. It was not even up to one kingdom. It was essentially a, his household, 318 in number. They went after four kingdoms, and they dealt with them. So when you have God on your side, you will record huge success, the kind of success that flesh cannot deliver. Amen. So Abraham was coming from this battle, and Melchizedek met him on the way. The Bible records Melchizedek, Melchizedek as a king, as a king of Salem. So he must have heard about what Abraham did, and he, he, he went and met Abraham. I, I read on. He said, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness, then also king of Salem means king of peace. Amen. So, the first thing we learn is that, of course, when you have God on your side, you will record huge success. The second thing we learn from that short story is that there is always a blessing waiting after an expedition. Because the Bible records that as Melchizedek. Let me go to Genesis 14 and read the story for you. 
Genesis 14, verse 18. Okay, I'll start from verse 17. It says, after Abraham returned from defeating Kedaloma and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out, the, the, king, the king of Sodom came out to meet with him in the valley of Shaveh. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abraham. Amen. And the Bible says, and he blessed Abraham. Here was a king, that's Melchizedek. Not only was he a king, he was the priest of the most high. So by all standards, by any, any how you want to look at Melchizedek, Melchizedek was mighty in his own capacity. He was great you know, in his own capacity. But here he was, he saw Abraham and saw some things that probably he looked and said, this guy, I need to bless him. Maybe there are some things that Abraham had. As small as Abraham was compared to him, Abraham was not a king at that time, you know. And so as, as, uh, in comparison to where he was, he could still see that there were some things in the life of Abraham that he didn't have. There were some things in the life of Abraham that he, he, that he, he could not touch yet. So he looked and he said he was going to bless Abraham. And Abraham, of course, we we'll move to the next point right now. Abraham knows that anyone or anything or any group or any person that blesses him, he must also bless back. Amen. So there is a need to always bless whatever it is that blesses you. If you are, for example, in a church and your church is blessing you, there's a need for you to bless your church. If you are under a leader, and the leader is, you, you find the leader as someone that blesses you, there's a need for you to keep blessing the leader. If you are at work and you have a supervisor that you feel the supervisor is investing in you, you may be fighting, you may be having have your clashes, whatever, but when you stop and you look at it holistically and you think and say, am I being blessed by the fact that I'm not under this supervisor? If you answer is yes, then you should bless that supervisor so that you can also get your blessing. And that's what Abraham did. Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Abraham, in turn, blessed him by doing what? By giving a tithe. By giving a tithe. And we can go on because of time. I'll just accelerate. The, the, the way they described Melchizedek there again says he is the king of righteousness. This is to compare him, of course, with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because righteousness, the, the Psalm 45 says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever, and righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom. So while we were describing Melchizedek as the king of righteousness, Jesus also was being described and saying that righteousness will be the scepter of your kingdom, meaning that Jesus' kingdom also will be the kingdom of righteousness. Are you beginning to see the link now? Why the, the, the end of chapter, uh, chapter 6 says that Jesus was in the order of, the Mel, of Melchizedek. The, 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 the reason why the Bible matches him to Melchizedek, even though it I mean, matches him with the lineage of Melchizedek. Amen. The second description of Melchizedek there in verse 2 also says that he is the king of Salem. Salem is a short word for Jerusalem. And Jerusalem essentially means peace. We all know again that Jesus is in the king in Isaiah 9:6 is described as the prince of peace. I'll move quickly to verse 3. Verse 3 says, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, Melchizedek remains. A priest forever without genealogy, without father or mother. Scripture doesn't describe or tell us anything about Melchizedek's parents or how he was born or the name of his parents. Neither did he tell us how he died or where he died. So we can assume that he is someone that lives forever. Just like Jesus that lives on. Jesus never died. He died in flesh, but we know he resurrected 
he rose again and he lives forever. That's why we can call him an everlasting priest. Amen. So there's a, there's a resemblance again there in, in the life of Melchizedek and the life of Jesus. The Levitical, the Levitical priesthood, because if you, if you look at the priesthood, the tribes of Israel, the priest, the, 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 the tribe that, the, the, uh, that God initially said was going to be the priest unto him was the tribe of Levi. Meaning that every time that we had a priest, that priest, of course, no matter how old he gets, at a point in time, he will die. And that will be the end of his priesthood. And another priest will be appointed, and on and on. But the, 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 what we're learning today, verse 3 says that Metisajek had no beginning, he had no end, which is similar to who God is, the beginning, the end. So everlasting God, which is, which, which is Jesus. So Jesus, the Levitical priesthood, was subject to and interrupted by death, but Jesus' priesthood was after the pattern of the one who did not die and cannot die. This means that his priesthood is forever, and as such, he will always be able to intercede on our behalf. That's why he did not die or he will not die. Death has no power to remove this office from Jesus. The, the office that makes him to live forever, death cannot take that away from him. Verse 4 to 7, I'll read. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people. That is from their fellow Israelites. Even though they also are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi. Yet he collected, watch, he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. And without doubt, the lesser is blessed by the greater. Here we're talking about tithing and, and on. You know, this is very, very, always a very interesting topic to, uh, for, for the world. You know, some people believe, oh, it's a scam. Uh, pastors are just using it to raid money and on and on. It's lack of understanding. Yeah. No one could, I mean, let's, 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 talk, let's think about it. No one could dispute the greatness of Abraham. Throughout the entire scriptures, Abraham was so great, he was the only one that was referred to as a friend of God. Even though, uh, if you look at Abraham, he did not trace his descent, okay, Melchizedek, Melchizedek did not trace his descent from Levi, yet he collected a tenth from Abraham and blessed him who are the promises? This is scripture I'm reading. So no one could dispute the greatness of Abraham. He was the only one referred to about as the friend of God. And his faith is constantly being talked about as a man of faith. His faith, Abraham's faith, paved the way for righteousness to be credited to all that believes. As Abraham was coming back from redeeming Lot, Melchizedek went out to meet with him. As great as Abraham was, he still knew, he still recognized the greater one, the one that was greater than him, and paid due respect. So here was a great man, Melchizedek, and a great man, Abraham, each of them in their own statutes, in their own, on their own level. But they still recognized that in some particular areas of each other's lives, there was greatness that they could still reach. Melchizedek could see the greatness in Abraham. Abraham could see the greatness in Melchizedek. And because of that, they could bless each other. They could, bless, they could release blessing into the life of each other. So as Melchizedek blessed Abraham, Abraham gave him one-tenth of the choicest portions of his spoils. He responded appropriately to Melchizedek's position and greatness. The interesting thing is that the covenant and promises of God belong to Abraham. You can read about that in Genesis 15. He even established circumcision at the sign of this. Abraham was a great man, which is why it is important for us to pay attention to what happened between him and Melchizedek. He gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. Now the law which was introduced 430 years later described the tithes. 
The tithe was brought to God and then dispersed to the priest. The priests were of the line of Levi. Understand this. The priests were of the line of Levi, who came from Abraham. Melchizedek was before this, without family ties in any way, without family ties, without record of beginning or ending. So the gift Abraham gave was not out of obligation to the law. If we wanted to think about it and say, okay, why did Abraham give Melchizedek a, a tithe? You could say, okay, it's because uh, maybe he had a revelation that this was what God wanted him to do, right? Because it will be down the line. This is what God would decree. Melchizedek was not even in the lineage of the priests. So it was not even, if you looked at it from an order of uh, priesthood, he was not qualified to be collecting a tithe. But because Abraham knew that giving a tithe should not be dependent on the law, but rather it is in response to greatness. Greatness of someone that you see or something that you see or, so, uh, or, or a being that you know is greater than you, far greater than you that you would like to move closer to, that you would like to emulate or be like. That is what prompted Abraham to give a tithe. So think today, when you want to give your tithes, you know people in GFH were very diligent with our tithes, but you need to think today, when you want to give your tithes, why are you giving your tithes? Is it because it is the law? Is it because, oh, if you don't give your tithes, your HOD will know, or he's going to ask you, or someone is going to know? Or if you don't give your tithe, ah, God will re release the devourers after you. The, all those are giving based on the law. Abraham gave because he saw greatness. He knew that he had to bless greatness. He had to sow into greatness for him to also become great. And that's what happens to him. Where blessings are concerned, the lesser person is always blessed by the greater person. And this was the case with Abraham and Melchizedek, even though it was Abraham who possessed the promises. No one refused the greatness of Abraham. So taking this into account, we see how amazing Melchizedek was. Praise the Lord. I'll move very quickly to chapter uh, verse 8 and 10. Talk, still talking about these tithes. In the one case, the tent is collected by people who die, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. One might even say that Levi, who collects the tent, paid the tent through Abraham, because when Melchizedek met Abraham, Levi was still in the body of his ancestor. Amen. Think about that. So if you want to, if you want to actually look at it, you could say that because Moses was in the was in the in the in the, in the lineage of the of the of the Levites. So you could say that the tithes that Moses, the Levites had collected, they were returning it back. Amen. Praise God. So anyhow you look at it, our gifts end up with God. Our seed ends up with God. With God. Because whoever it, whoever it is you are giving, whoever, however it is you are giving, it always ends up with God. Praise the Lord. So at, at this point, I want to mention that if you have questions, uh, if you're online, uh, if you have questions on YouTube, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, or all the other platform, all the other pla online platforms where we're streaming right now, please feel free to send in your questions to your online pastors. They'll collate it, and when we get to the time of uh, question and answers, we, we would like to have so I've had it by that time so that we can maybe chew on it a little and we, all, we can all learn and be better for it in, uh, at the end of it all. Amen. All right, I continue. Verse 11 to 12. Verse 11 to 12. Um, I'll read verse 11 to 12. Hebrews 11, is 11 to 12. It says, If perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed, the law given to the people est that established that priesthood. Why was there still need for another priest to come? One in the order of Melchizedek. 
not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created into a perfect fellowship with God. They always enjoyed the Sabbath rest in which they were created right from the beginning. This is still the goal. They were blameless before God and enjoyed an intimate fellowship with him. This is still the goal. This passage says, if perfection or perfect fellowship between God and mankind could have been attained by the Levitical priesthood, then there would have not been a need for another priest. However, it could not be achieved in this way. So there was a call for another priest, not from the line of Aaron, but from the order of Melchizedek, who retained his position on the basis of his indestructible life. Because it he didn't, he, he didn't die. He probably also walked with God the way Elijah walked with God. And, you know, I find that even very interesting, the fact that um, Elijah also appeared not to have a beginning. We all knew how he ended because he went with the chariot of fire, you know. But it's, it's, his life, is everything about him just looks ex- very similar to that of Melchizedek. So in essence, we're saying that there was a need for a new covenant that would not have the limitations of humans around it because that was what the law was all about, the Levitical law. It was all about, I mean, it was all about do this, you get this. You don't do this, you get this. Follow these rules, you, you, you get these results. If you don't, do the, if you don't follow these rules, these courses are waiting for you. Deuteronomy 28 each time I read it, I'm, I'm always amazed. You know, the whole 28, the Deuteronomy 28, maybe about 30% of the entire uh, chapter is just about blessing. The remaining is about causes. I, I mean, I'm like, hey, why there so much causes more than the blessings? You know? But all those are what God saw and said, no, 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 no. I need to tweak all of this. We can't live on rules that are cast on stone anymore, or rather we're going to begin to live on rules that will be written on people's hearts so that people can move with it, people can live with it, people can carry it with them. It can become part of them. People can, people can soak it in and it can just go in with them. Amen. Verse 13, 14. Verse 13 and 14. He of whom these things... Sorry, I'll read it from here. He of whom these things are said belong to a different tribe. And no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. We're talking about um, the, 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 the tribe of Judah, Jesus now. We're talking about Judah now, the tribe of Judah. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah. And in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. Christ's priesthood was not patterned after the Levitical institution. It was the other way around. They were patterned after Christ's eternal position as the high priest. So Jesus' coming was, was, was not to come and fulfill the law, but rather to come and show us what the law should be going forward. It is amazing that God kept the Levitical priesthood and Jesus' eternal priesthood in completely separate lines. He did this to show us that the law could never make us perfect. So we would never rely on it for a means of being justified. For a means of being justified can only come through faith in Christ. You can read about this in Romans 5, 1 and Galatians 3, 13 to 14. This is why Jesus had to come from a completely different and separate line. In fact, we cannot even understand Jesus' office in relation to the Levitical lineage because it is far superior in every way imaginable. Amen. Verse 15 to 17. Verse 15 to 17. And what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears. One who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Levitical priesthood was a lifetime position. Once a person became a high priest, this position was held until, until the person dies. Number, I mean, Numbers 35, 25 explains this. However, each time the priest died, a new priest would be appointed. So in another sense, you might say this priest would never had any permanence. Death 
always interrupted it. Death always interrupted it. But Jesus' priesthood greatly contrasts this because death could not hold him captive. Therefore, the grave did not interrupt his appointment as a high priest. His resurrection from the dead solidified his position permanently. Romans 6, 9. Romans 6, 9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Amen. Verse 18 to 24. Verse 18 to 24. I'll read it. It says, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless. For the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced, by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now, there have been many of these priests since death, since, since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Amen. He has a permanent priesthood. So the law was weak and wasn't helping. Jesus came with a new covenant and backed it with an oath. You know, uh, what, what's, I mean, the, the oath here was the scripture of Psalm 110 verse 4 that says that the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are priest forever. This was God confirming through David, even before Jesus, that you are a priest forever. And this in itself is, is, is amazing. This on its own is amazing because what this simply means is, you know, for me, it's always very comforting. One of the best scriptures I like is um, it, it was when Jesus was uh, being baptized. And the Bible says that as soon as he came out of the water, everybody there heard as the, the voice from heaven that said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There's no greater testimony than that. I believe this singular occurrence is even one of the reasons why there was a lot of followership for Jesus right from the beginning. Because how do you explain it? This was 2,000 years ago. There were no loudspeakers. Then you hear a voice. You can't say, oh, someone went to hide the speaker somewhere, then they just, the speaker just thundered. No. Everybody heard the voice. And remember, Jesus says that all the, each time God speaks audibly for everybody to hear like that, Jesus will always say, this voice you are hearing is not because of you. It's not because of me. It's more because of you so that you will believe that God sent him. So the oath that we're talking about here also is the same thing. It was because of us. Not really because Jesus needed to um, satisfy his priesthood. Or to be like, a, oh, it's God that, has, that gave me the title of priest. He was priest in heaven. He came to earth to show us again the priesthood of Jesus, of, of our, 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 our priests. It was, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, uh, it came to come and show us how the priesthood is run in heaven. That's why he came. The voice of God speaking to back him up. Scriptures confirming that Jesus was going to come and he came. Confirming all that Jesus will do. All those are just for you and I. Because Jesus knew right from time that he was the eternal priest. The final section, verse 25 to 28 Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because, hallelujah. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs. One who is holy, blameless, pure, 
set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forever. Hallelujah. So Jesus is the one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. He is not like the worldly priests or the Levitical priests who has been commanded that every time you want to bring an offering to God, every time you want to enter into the holy place, every time you want to come and pray, first of all, bring an offering to purify yourself, to, to cleanse yourself, bring, bring, bring a sacrifice to ensure that you, your sins, are first of all cleansed before you can bring a sacrifice on, the, on behalf of the people. Jesus wasn't like that. Jesus made himself. He didn't need to sacrifice for himself. He made himself that singular, one-time sacrifice for us. For us. So that we can be cleansed and be like him so that we can become holy, blameless, pure, set apart. That's why Jesus did that. You know, just today I was watching, uh, I mean, there's a video that has been flying around social media for some days now. Uh, was someone asking about, someone asked a question and said, why would a good God send people to hell. I mean, that's what the world will tell us, that if this God is so good, why did he create hell to send people there? But the real answer is that when Jesus came, Jesus did not come to set people and say, okay, these are the sinners, these are the saved. No. And, and that the, sin, the saved should go with him to heaven, the sinners should go to hell. No, that wasn't his intent. Jesus came to, to say, Hey, all of you, you are on your way to hell. Stop. Follow me and let's go to heaven. That is what a true priest does. He came. And how did he do that? He came and sacrificed himself. Because he didn't just come to just say, follow me with mouth. He came. He paid the price to salvage us from hell. He paid the price to deliver us from from, from from going to deliver us and stop us from going to hell. Now, if anybody chooses and says, I am not going to follow Jesus, all you are going to be able to make Jesus do is cry. Because he doesn't want us to go to, the, to hellfire. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will believe in him not perish but have everlasting life so jesus as the great high priest came to save you to save you so on this note i want to just use this opportunity if you are out there online you know you are not saved and you've been hearing about this high priest now jesus you've been hearing about him before but today you now know that he came to save you that was his only mission on earth. He was living as a high priest. Living large, if you want to use those kind of terms, in heaven. He came down, sacrificed himself, went through pain, became man, so that we could, he, he would be able to really say that, okay, he understands all that we go through. Became man, became fleshed, became fleshed paid the price because there was a price and the price was his blood he shed his blood for you yes for you that you're listening to me so you want to give your life to christ right now i will pray a short prayer but before i pray the prayer 
Just send a message into the group where you are right now to one of your online pastors and just say, I want to get saved. My name is, and put your name there. If you can't put your phone number or your email or how we can reach you. And that's all you need to do online. But you just close your eyes, put your hand on your chest with me right now, and we'll just pray, and I can guarantee you that you will be saved. So if you are that person, don't look on your right, don't you look on your left. Just look straight into the camera right now. Look at me. If you're that person, you want to give your life to Christ right now. Just join me as I pray. Father, I thank you for your son, for your daughter, wherever it is they are right now. I know with you there's no distance. I pray for them, Lord, that you will accept them, O oh God. As they turn to you today, as they have decided that they want to walk with you, receive them, O oh God. Let their lives from today, let there be a turnaround in it in the mighty name of Jesus. Let them begin to walk with you, Lord. Let them begin to grow in you in the mighty name of Jesus. In any way that the enemy has locked them down, is holding them down, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the power of the enemy is broken over their lives in the name of Jesus. From now on, they begin to walk in power and the authority that you have given unto them in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, everlasting Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen and amen. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, so we have a few questions that has come in. Um, so if you have more, if you have your questions, please feel free to send in your questions. Um, as I scroll through and try and read out the question, we we'll welcome Pastor to also join us. Welcome, sir. Hi. Good evening. Good evening, sir. All right. Okay. I have a question for you, Pastor, but I'll, let's go through the ones online right now. Um, just like the three men that visited Abraham and decreed he will have a son, now Melchizedek, is it safe to say that he is God or Jesus? Or the Trinity in one. I'm not sure I really understand this question. Are you saying that is, is if if your question is to say that is it safe to say that Melchizedek is God or Jesus or the Trinity in one? Honestly, I don't. I don't. Okay. So while we're still, while we're, I, I, or Pastor, do you understand the question? I just read it. Can you read it again, please? Okay. So I'll just read it. I'm quoting him. He says, I'm quoting the person, I don't know if it's a him or she. Just like the three men that visited Abraham and decreed he will have a son, now Melchizedek, is it safe to say that he, in capital letter, is God or Jesus or the Trinity in one? It's, um, for all the information that we have, as, that is from the legitimate sources, um, it's difficult to conclude that um, it is God. You know, there are different schools of, of thoughts. When it comes to this um, person called Melchizedek, you know, there are different schools of thoughts, you know. And, um, but from what we see in scripture, it is, it is um, not enough to conclude that it is the Godhead. However, there are several indications and and that can point us in that direction. Number one, no beginning. Number two, no ending. I liked how you likened um, Elijah to him, you know, because Elijah just showed up in scriptures and he just said, Elijah, the son of Tishbite. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though they didn't make reference to is any upbringings they mentioned is source they mentioned his father and of course elijah elijah did not have an ending but melchizedek took that further because there's no reference to his stuff so no beginning no ending mm. i mean <clears throat> that speaks of deity it's only god so there are strong indication, indications 
that he is the pre-incarnate Christ. Because if you look at the new covenant, we are to pay at when we pay our tithes in Hebrews, it says we pay our tithes to, to Christ, to him, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. That is the person we actually tithe to. So um uh, Melchizedek could receive tithe from an Abraham and Abraham which is the, the, the greatest person on earth at the time and the closest person to God. So in, in relationship with God, I did I don't think there was any higher than Abraham, you know, and and all that. But Abraham could pay his tithe to Melchizedek. I mean they could bless Abraham. The in Hebrews, I think eight, next chapter, he talked about the less is without a doubt blessed by the greater okay. so so you know so you you don't bless someone that is higher than you <laughs> you 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 we attempt it we've done it before several but it really doesn't carry any weight we blessings flows from top you know so those indicators um, and several others, which I don't want to get into, and start another Bible study on Melchizedek, you know, <laughs> point to the fact that is is superhuman. It's not. It's beyond humanity, you know. And and um, and yeah. So that's how far we can go. We can we can begin to make conclusions. Yeah. We can make conclusions. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. So there's a second question here. It says. Did Abraham bless Melchizedek when he gave a tithe? Anonymous. Okay. Abraham blessed Melchizedek. Okay. I think the person must have been referring to when you said um, Abraham blessed Melchizedek and Melchizedek blessed Abraham in return. You know? So I think that kind of dovetail from where I stopped, which is. Abraham did not bless Melchizedek when he gave his tithe. In fact, there was nothing in Abraham that could bless Melchizedek. Same thing. There's nothing in us that can bless God. If God is blessed by something that we give, he, he chooses to be blessed. It's, 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 um, it, it, it's not what we gave that blessed him. It is his love for us and his recipient of our worship. That, um, that can be a blessing to him because he has chosen us. However, the, without any contradictions, the, the, word, the word of God says, the less is blessed by the greater. So Abraham could not have blessed Melchizedek. Abraham could, Abraham gave and paid, like you said, um, you can look at it as so, if you will, but it goes even beyond that, you know, um, is tied to Melchizedek, and in return, Melchizedek blessed Abraham and 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 gave him communion. Again, communion is is a symbol of of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, we all know that, you know. So, so yeah, um, Abraham could not have blessed Melchizedek. Um, Melchizedek blessed Abraham. Yeah. Okay. Praise God, sir. Thank you very much, sir, for that clarity. You're welcome. Yes. So I, I said earlier that I had a question. Um, even though you've touched on it a little now, but I'll still ask anyway. Um, uh, I thought I highlighted it, so, but, but I didn't. But I'll just paraphrase. So um, uh, the, uh, the scriptures talks about when uh, the when the, the Levitical order was about tithes, and the way it described it, the law, was that the Levites must collect a tithe. All right? So it was, if they did not collect a tithe from anybody, that in itself, the fact that they didn't even collect, was a sin on their side. All right? So going by today's world, people will talk about tithe and say, oh, it's an old-fashioned thing. It's an old testament thing. You know, there's no command, direct command like that. 
in in quote the New Testament of, of, of is because of course they don't read the Bible. But now we as a church we don't sit on anybody and say by force by force bring your tithe bring your tithe. We encourage people, you know. Uh, we encourage people to say, okay, you need to pay your tithe for your own good, not for uh, God, like you said. There's nothing in us that we can bless God about, you know. I was, so, how do you how do you explain to someone that insists that tithing is an Old Testament thing and not a New Testament thing? Well, I think um, I think that i think you did a good job with that you know already so um i mean it's pretty obvious that when people say old testament they pretty much don't know what they're talking about you know um they, they pretty much don't know what they're talking about without any um disrespect <laughs> to anybody you know um uh, the the if you check the scriptures in the New Testament, the Word of God says all scriptures is given for this, for that, for this, for that, all scriptures. So um, to say that a part of scripture is irrelevant, I don't think that would be correct. That's one. Secondly, the part that was laid aside because you talked about Jesus fulfilling the law, the, the part that was laid aside is the Levitical law, the law that requires ceremonies, the ceremonial law of access to God. Jesus came and shredded the whole thing, and you know the veil was torn from top to bottom. We all have access to God. The concept of tithing, interestingly, interestingly, we talked about it on Sunday. We are going to talk about it on Sunday. You know, and you know, and the, the, it's amazing that you know we, God is bringing it to our focus again. First of a tribe, you know, the concept of tithing goes beyond the Levitical law. So, was Abraham under the law? Absolutely not. He was not under the law. The law came by Moses, you know. Grace and truth came by Jesus. So the law came by Moses. Abraham existed way before the law. Mm -hmm. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the patriarchs, every one of them paid tithes out of a covenant with God. So again, I like how you put it. You can't, you cannot begin to um, have a thriving work with God and not live a financially sacrificial life towards God. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's what God wants. God wants your heart, doesn't want your money. But guess what? God knows that your where your money goes is where your heart will go. Absolutely. So God says, give me your money. <laughs> or pr prioritize me your money, so to speak. You know, prioritize me your money. So that you can be, I can be priority in your life. You cannot claim that God is priority in your life if God is not priority in your finances. You are deceiving yourself. If you say God is priority in your life and is not priority in your finances, you're a joker. Absolutely. So all these guys that are saying New Testament given that we are above the law, and rightfully so, rightfully so. Not above the law as in lawless, above the law as in outside of the law through the grace and truth that comes through Jesus Christ. So, um, I'm trying to condense this and not preach it somewhere. <laughs> so, um, they claim, and correctly so, that we are supposed to do better than the Old Testament guys because we are under grace. What grace does is grace doesn't, grace empowers you to live above the law. Grace empowers you to do beyond what Abraham, well, not Abraham, what Moses could ever do. So that's what grace does. So the argument is the New Testament Christian 
in the real sense, should actually give more than 10%. If 10% was mandated. Hmm. But what I say to them is, who are you deceiving? You have not even given 10% consistently. You want to, <laughs> you want, you want to talk about fire. <laughs> you want to talk about start from the 10%, yeah. then scale from there if, if you are so led of God. You know, mm. you know, because and again, rightfully so, because Jesus says, except your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees. Don't even think you started. So what is required of you from the law, what the law not required of you, what the law empowers you to, to, to deliver is way superior to what you could have ever delivered on that on that. Once what the what grace, sorry, empowers you to deliver is is superior to what you can ever deliver under the law. Because the law is the law boxes you. Yeah. It boxes us. You know, talking about the tithe, what there was a time I was having this discussion with someone about oh no, 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 it's not necessary this and that, blah, blah, blah. I just concluded with the prayer. I said, look, the money that you will keep from God will keep you from God. Hmm. I said that again. That's an I am moment. <laughs> I said the money that you will keep from God. Mm. It's enough to keep you from God. Mm. That's something, and I think maybe I just left it like that because you know it's 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 always a challenge to when it comes to money, especially when you have someone that is holding onto it is my own, my own, my own. It's always a challenge trying to explain why, because again, <laughs> there's the mental blockage of I am giving it to that pastor in that church, and I'm like. Hey, it's 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 beyond that. It's beyond that because like we learned today, Abraham saw Melchizedek, mm-hmm. and he saw greatness. Mm-hmm. Without the law, law didn't exist. Of he course, realized this person. Of I course, need to, I need to tithe. And 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 let me just add to that. Beyond that, in addition to that. He recognized that he could not have gotten that victory by his own strength. Mm. He recognized mm. that. He, he, look at the way you described it. He came against four powerful nations that have been collecting tribute. In fact, one of them, it was only one of them that had been collecting tribute from five mm-hmm, nations. Mm-hmm. I'll show you how powerful that nation is. One nation collecting tribute from five nations. Yet now went to gather three additional nations, strong nations to join him. Abraham, with all those servants, they were born in his household. All of them <laughs> were plumbers, plumbers, electricians, carpenters. It, 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 it's, just like, it's, it's just like us saying all the children that were born in GFH. <laughs> Let's go out. Let's go out and deliver Nigeria for Boko Haram. Amen. And pull an And we take even Kaka. We take, you know, <laughs> you take, uh, the, you know, um, the Munachi, you know, and you know, <laughs> the candies of this world. I mean, are we, you know, are we, we, we set them up in array mm. and they go and they, and they make it back. happen. Pardon me? And they make it happen. And they make it happen. Mm. It would be foolishness for us to think it is by our power. Mm. That is what Abraham, that is the objective of the type. That's the purpose of the type. That look, this power to get wealth. Mm. This increase that mm. I have, mm. this one, this one passed me. This one passed me. <laughs> the reason the people are struggling to pay that, struggling to pay that, is because their income is even too small. They look at their own strength. They think they could have done it by themselves, so they don't need mm. God. You know, but when you begin to acknowledge God in the little things, then you begin to see God take you to the areas where you will say, Ah, mm. oh, it can only be God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, there's no more questions at this point, so over to you, sir. Okay, thank you so much, Pastor Kule. I mean, that was amazing, fantastic teaching there. God bless you, in okay. Jesus' name. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so for the rest of us, you know, uh, the Book of Hebrews is an amazing book. You know, and uh, I'm I'm really excited about this journey. Um, so let us pray as we round up. Father, we thank you. 
Thank we you, honor, we adore you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we ask that your word will take root in our hearts. Amen. And take root downwards in our hearts. And bear fruit upwards in our lives. Amen. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. And so shall it be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Lord, bless you and keep you. Amen. Lord, make his face shine upon you. Amen. And be gracious unto you. Amen. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Amen. And give you peace. Amen. And so shall it be. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Amen. So, God's family house, remember, this is our year of lifting. And we have lifted all the way. All the way. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Thank you for listening to this. I want to encourage you to share this resource with your family and friends. God bless you. Take it up, 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 Take it up,